Today we have the privilege of having Austin. Austin Fink's going to come and preach for us. And Lord willing, this time next week, Austin will be a graduate of Clark Summit University. Let's give a round of applause. It's been a lot of work, and so we're going to let him come and open God's word for us today. Right. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Um, thank you, worship team. Thank you for letting me uh, still play today. Uh, I told them on Thursday night when we were when we were here for rehearsal that it uh, it tends to calm my nerves a little bit to be able to play music before I preach. But then I realize about five minutes into it how much I've put on my own plate, <laughs> and um, then I start to second guess myself and think, hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have done that, uh, but I'm so grateful to be able to, to, uh, to sing and to play um, and also uh, bring God's word before you this morning. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, um, I hope that you do, and if you don't, there's some pew Bibles um, and there's some, uh, there's some uh, Bibles that you can grab from right in front of you. You can also open up if uh, you have a Bible app on your phone as well, but we're going to be looking at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4 today, 1 Peter chapter 4. And the text that I'll be reading is verses 12 through 19, so if you'll turn with me there, read through that scripture today. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and I'm reading out of uh, the ESV this morning. So Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can look to it for truth, that all Scripture is breathed out by you. And I just pray this morning that we can see your character through this text. We can see your faithfulness, that you are good, that in the midst of suffering, Lord, we can obey you, we can rejoice, we can be glad. Lord, ultimately we can put all of our trust and our faith in who you are 
and not what our circumstances are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a fact that all believers will face suffering in their lives. There are currently 59 countries in the world where Christianity is either persecuted in some way or completely illegal. And in 13 of those countries, Bibles can only be delivered by illegal covert operations. Now, the severity of the laws and punishments differ from place to place. But in most cases, Christians cannot gather to worship publicly, express their faith, preach the gospel, own a Bible, or even talk about Christianity without the threat of imprisonment or even death. Now, to be a Christian in any of these 59 countries is to accept the very real possibility of suffering. Suffering in a Christian's life is the will of God. But it is not exclusive to countries where Christianity is illegal. In the current state of our nation, Christians are called unloving to their neighbor if they stand up against the murder of the unborn. We're called bigots if we believe that marriage is defined as one man and one woman for life. We are viewed as dogmatic and narrow-minded if we believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And if we call out sin or refuse to give in to temptation, we are hateful and prudish. In my own life, I have been ridiculed for many decisions that I've made and beliefs that I hold because of my faith in Christ. I can remember several occasions in my life where this happened. An acquaintance of mine once offered me all the money in his wallet, which was actually around $200, to, as he put it, cuss up a storm, to which I, of course, refused. Then he called me names, he made fun of me, and he said that I wasn't a real man. In the past, I've even been asked by a former employer to remove their name from my social media account because of my pro-life views. If you're a Christian, there has surely been times in your life that you've suffered been abused, you've been ridiculed or scorned for your faith. We need to submit to God's will in the midst of that suffering. And in today's text, Peter wrote to the elect exiles that their suffering was not meaningless, but was the will of God. Now, if suffering as a Christian is the will of God, then what should our response be when we experience this suffering? Well, Peter walks us through four responses. The first response is, in the midst of suffering, we can rejoice and be glad. In the midst of suffering, we can rejoice and be glad. 
Now, oftentimes, we may find that when we face suffering, it causes us to be confused or surprised. The Christians that Peter was writing to felt that way when they were facing what he called the fiery trial. Now, this fiery trial is referring to the fire that's used to refine gold or silver. They felt as though something strange or unexpected was happening to them. But Peter called them to respond in a different way. In verse 13, he says, Rejoice! And later in that same verse, Rejoice and be glad! What do they have to rejoice and be glad about? If if they're metaphorically being put through fire, what do they have to rejoice and be glad about? Well, Peter gives us two reasons right here in the text. The first is that they shared in Christ's sufferings. This meant that they truly belonged to Christ. They were truly His. The second reason that they can rejoice and be glad, is that they are blessed. Well, why are they blessed? Well, he says it right here in verse 14, that the Spirit of God and of glory rests on them. An example that I can provide of someone facing suffering, a Christian facing suffering, that chose to rejoice and be glad is of this missionary family that lived in a Muslim nation. And I take this excerpt from a, um, an article from Desiring God's website. And it says, When Bernie May was the head of Wycliffe Bible Translators, he visited a young family in a Muslim nation. They had been there three years working with a people group of 100,000 people and no knowledge of Christ. This couple had three children under five years old. Now the youngest, the baby, was covered with pox marks, some of which looked infected. Bernie asked if the child had chicken pox. No, those are ant bites, the mother said. We can't keep the ants off of him. Eventually, he'll become immune to them. And in a moment of honesty, she confessed that she felt guilty because she was suffering from extreme stress. She and her young husband came there from mid-USA. Now, they live in a place where the temperature is above 100 degrees most of the year. The children are covered with bug bites. A war is going on close by. Their helpers are in danger for being their friends. Many in the villages are suffering from hunger and disease, and they can't even let their supporters know what they're doing so that they can pray for them since they're in a critical area. And she feels guilty because she is under stress. Bernie says, I told her she had every right to feel stressful. I had only been there three days, and I was already beginning to come unglued. Yet this dedicated young couple are laughing 
and joking and filled with the joy of the Lord. When we suffer, it can often cause confusion, surprise, or stress in our lives. These fiery trials that we face are to be expected if we are in Christ. As one commentator writes, to share, therefore, in Christ's sufferings here is to be on the sure road to share in His consequent glory hereafter. The suffering that we face as Christians is evidence that the Spirit of God is upon us. Our application for this section is this. Do you find yourself confused when you face suffering? If you are in Christ, do you realize that you share in the sufferings of Christ? I call you to rejoice and be glad that the Spirit of God rests on you in the midst of suffering. Now that we've gotten to a place where there's no confusion about our suffering, how do we deal with the shame that sometimes comes with suffering? Well, Peter tells us, in the midst of suffering, we should not be ashamed. In the midst of suffering, we should not be ashamed. Now, if someone is punished and suffers for wrongdoing or evil, that person will usually feel ashamed. Whether it's for a crime committed or a child disobeying his or her parents, suffering due to wrongdoing causes shame. But as Christians, we are not to suffer in the same manner as someone who has done evil. But as Peter says in verse 16, we suffer as Christians or for the name of Christ. There is no shame to be found in this. Now recently, over the last several weeks in our Connect group, we've been going through a study called Prepare to Stand by a man named Andrew Brunson. Now, Andrew was a Christian man who was arrested in Turkey in October of 2016. He was falsely accused of terrorism and he was held in prison for two years. And during that two years, he endured an immense amount of suffering. And in 2018, he was released from prison. He started with his wife an organization called Wave Starters which gives us our study, Prepare to Stand, which teaches Christians about boldness for Christ, standing up for the truth of the gospel. He is unashamed of his faith, and he remained unashamed during his suffering. Paul, also in Romans 1.16 tells us that he is unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
which is the power of God. So we often become ashamed when we suffer, even as a Christian, because we feel like we've done something wrong. But suffering as a Christian, suffering for the name of Christ, is not something to be ashamed of. But God is to be glorified when we suffer as Christians. Our application is this. Do not be ashamed when you suffer as if you have done something wrong, if you are in Christ. Know that you suffer as a child of God and there is no shame to be found in that. So if we're free from the shame that's caused by our suffering, what's the alternative response? Well, Peter tells us it's in the midst of suffering we can glorify God. In the midst of suffering, we can glorify God. So we now know that we're, we're free from the shame of suffering, knowing that we suffer not as evildoers, but as Christians. But what, instead of feeling ashamed, are we to do? Peter tells us that we are to glorify God. When Paul and Silas were imprisoned, we see in the book of Acts chapter 16, and if you'd like to turn there with me, you can. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. We see what it looks like to bring God glory in the midst of suffering. Verse 25, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What an amazing story where suffering brought upon salvation for an entire family.
family. Being ashamed in suffering, being ashamed of our suffering as Christians does not glorify God. Suffering is an opportunity for us to glorify God. And we see that that beautiful example of Paul and Silas singing and praising God. This man and his, his entire home was saved. Even though just moments before, he was about to take his own life. Instead of wallowing and sulking in self-pity, God calls us to worship, to pray, and to sing praises to Him. Our application here is this. Trade your shame for bringing God glory. Do not focus on your circumstances, but focus on the character of God. And as Paul and Silas did here, be reminded of the truth of who He is by singing praises to Him, praying, and worshiping your Creator. God is glorified when we praise Him and worship Him. But He also calls us beyond that. In the midst of suffering, we can entrust our souls to the Creator. In the midst of suffering, we can entrust our souls to the Creator. One theologian wrote, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Christians are not exempt from suffering. We've already learned that today and in our own lives. In fact, verse 19 tells us that Christian suffering is the will of God. In addition to bringing God glory in the midst of suffering, we can also and we should also entrust our souls to the faithful Creator, knowing That it is His will. God calls us to glorify Him, entrust our souls to Him, and be obedient to Him. In verse 19, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. We must also continue being obedient to the Lord. A perfect example of this is Jesus Himself In the garden, hours before he would be arrested and crucified. Matthew 26, 39, speaking of Jesus, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew that his suffering was the perfect will of His Father. And Peter tells us here that Christian suffering is the perfect will of our Father. But it's not meaningless. There's a purpose for it. God wills the suffering so that we will trust our souls to Him 
and submit to Him. Our application here is this. Submit yourself to the perfect will of God in the midst of suffering. Entrust your soul to your faithful Creator. And don't forget this last one. Be obedient during suffering. The song that we sang today, Christ the sure and steady anchor. One of the verses says, Deeper still than goes the anchor. The anchor of Jesus Christ. Though I justly stand accused, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Know that you are secure. Your soul is kept in the hands of your faithful Creator. Because suffering as a Christian is God's will to cause you to trust Him more. In 1956, a man named Jim Elliott, along with four other missionaries, were speared to death while trying to make contact with the members of the Aka Wodani tribe in Ecuador. His wife, Elizabeth, would later return to this same tribe with her daughter, living among them and ministering to them. Now this tribe had caused an unfathomable amount of anguish and suffering in her life, yet she submitted to God's will, remained obedient, and trusted in her Creator instead of her circumstances. She wrote this, The deepest things that I have learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things I know about God. When you refuse to fall to the temptation and lure of sin, and you are mocked, God is faithful. When you speak out publicly in defense of your biblical worldview, God is faithful. When you stand up for the lives of the unborn and are called hateful, God is faithful. And when you preach the gospel to the unbeliever and face rejection, God is faithful. In the midst of suffering, we can rejoice. We can be glad. In the midst of suffering, we should not be ashamed. In the midst of suffering, we are to glorify God. And in the midst of suffering, we can entrust our souls to our faithful Creator. Here are a few action steps that we can take moving forward as we endure suffering. The first is submission to 
the will of God. It's letting go of our own will and submitting to the perfect will of God when enduring suffering. Next is remaining obedient to the Lord. We must remain obedient to the Lord, doing good in suffering. And lastly, we trust in our faithful Creator rather than our circumstances. Do not feel abandoned, confused, or forsaken when you face suffering as a Christian. Know instead that it is the will of God and your soul is secure in Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are a faithful, faithful God. Lord, when we are faithless, when we are unfaithful, God, You remain faithful. Lord, help us to know that when we suffer, when we endure persecution as Christians, when we face confusion and surprise and shame, Lord, help us to know and to consciously make a different decision, to bring You glory, to rejoice and be glad or to trust in your faithfulness. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.